Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Everyone, Pastor Chet Haney here with Highland Terrace Baptist Church, and this is the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast and podcast. And so happy to have our listeners with us today, and so happy to have in studio with us today, Mr. Dylan Reagan. Dylan, thank you so much. Glad for to be here, joining us this afternoon. I really, really appreciate it. Dylan, you've got a lot of history with Highland Terrace. I do. I grew up here um, twenty-three years, I think. Wow. Give or take a year, and that's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I started born and raised, and moved yep. from the hospital. Yeah, right over here. You moved from the hospital to the cradle roll. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's pretty awesome, man. And then, uh, served six years mm-hmm. here as um, children's intern. Yeah, as a minister of our church. Yeah, and then um, was gracefully sent on. Yep. To the next. Yeah. Went uh, to Criswell. Went to Criswell uh, College, yeah. graduated there with a mm-hmm. BA in uh, Biblical Studies with a minor in Missions and Evangelism, which awesome. has Praise gone God. long ways to serving yeah. where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, I remember when you were our children's uh, intern. Of course, that um, crossed over into my time mm-hmm. a little bit. You were already serving here when I came, and uh, you preached for us uh, several times yeah. during those years. I knew then... <laughs> That God had a special plan for your life because you were very comfortable in the pulpit even back then. And, uh, of course, it's uh, interesting to think as preachers about some of our earlier experiences, you know, and uh, how God is just so faithful to bless and open doors. Mm-hmm. It has been. I, you know, I left here and I went to Campbell and yeah. uh, served there as children's minister. That's right. Yeah. And they with allowed Brother me Gandy. With, with, yeah, with Brother Gandy and uh-huh. They allowed me even more um, opportunity to preach there yeah. and to hone those skills, and yeah. which then led to where I'm at now at yeah. um, Kingston Baptist yeah, Church, amen. where um, I just became um, a few months ago their senior pastor. How about that? Man? And um, that has been a wild ride. I know. What a great <laughs> opportunity for you as a young man, Dylan, to it is. be senior pastor at Kingston Baptist Church, yep. a very fine church. Just up the road on 69 here a little ways. And uh, I remember when you were our guest teacher for our Breathe Discipleship last year, yeah. there was a group of people from Kingston that came over to hear you. Yep. They have been very supportive of my fun that I like to have out there and yeah. coming and supporting me where I go. And if they can, they'll come here. They'll yeah. go to places. and Yeah. Very supportive group. I recognized them because I could tell they were the ones from Kingston because they were looking around. Didn't know exactly where they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I told them uh, that yeah. first night we were going to have it. I told them, I said, I uh-huh. will try my best to be yeah. in a place where you can find me because, yeah. believe me, you'll get you'll get turned around in there real quick. And that was after the tornado. So it, everything right. had changed right. at that we, point. We had you guys, I think, in the gym. and Yeah, we were in the gym, and then yeah. we moved down the hallway. and Yeah. Well, we appreciated you coming and teaching on discipleship. uh during that time, um, 
I was actually teaching a marriage class, and you were teaching on the essentials. Mm-hmm. And we had two or three other classes going in our breathe uh, curriculum. And before we could finish, I wound up in the hospital. That's true. And it's, it's funny, you yeah. know, to think that that was named breathe I know. right in the middle of COVID. I know. Isn't that something? <laughs> we didn't really plan it that way. Nope. But uh, I found out that if you get where you can't breathe, you're in bad shape. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and that that was you 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 had it and and mm-hmm. that way, and then I got it soon oh, after you that. Did. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up just as a sidebar. I ended up having it twice. Did you I had really it twice? It was down. I'm so sorry, man. I never had to the extent, but you didn't get pneumonia or anything. Mm, I never oh, developed good. any of that, but good deal. It was not fun. No, it's a it's a strange thing. It's a it's a funny feeling. Uh, when you get that and you get a little bit of that funny feeling with the shot, I found out <laughs> for sure. I just got finished yeah. getting mine a couple of, uh, the last yeah. one a, a week ago, got your and, second shot. Mm, yeah. And mine, um, <clears throat> mine both times set me down and said, how would you just take a break for a minute? Did it? Yeah. yeah. Threw me for a loop as well, but I was still glad to get them. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm so thankful to have my uh, vaccination. For COVID. So when you were teaching essentials, uh, how did you approach that? Um, I did Dylan? a lot of, um, in, in home, uh, for me, in my house, in my room, yeah. uh, study, reading yeah. through the material. And then I, I was lucky because, um, as I started there, that was just as I had kind of started taking on more responsibility right. at Kingston. Yeah. And I was able to kind of, um, guinea pig them with nice. the class. Nice. So we went through, the Central's book right uh-huh. along behind oh, that's Pilot great. Terrace. So. so it actually uh, helped you to prepare mm-hmm. in advance for what was coming. Yeah. It How was, about that? It was really good because they were, and of course they came, so they kind of got it twice. Yeah. And, and, um, but it, it was, it was very useful to, uh, to do it kind uh-huh. of back and forth on each other. It yeah. helped prepare. You just can't, as a young pastor, uh, do too much. In uh, advanced preparation. In fact, I have uh, come under the conviction that preaching uh, in season and out of season, Second uh, Timothy four two, means that we should prepare with a lot of off season uh, work. Yeah, you know the uh, growing of the wheat and the making of the flour and the uh, you know the making of the dough and the rising a lot of thing goes into make a lot of things go into making bread before you stick it in the oven for sure and uh we are to serve up the bread of life i think there's a lot of things that we need to be doing well in advance you know behind the scenes and it's it's hard to discipline yourself with enough um, self-control uh, to do that i'm still working at it but uh, i find that it's, it reminds me of a quote I read by um, Eisenhower, who said in World War II that he found planning to be invaluable, even if the plans turned out to be useless. And uh, that's so true because you can lay out plans for your preaching calendar that may or may not actually be what you wind up doing. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you went through that process of planning is so helpful. Now, without getting into all of your uh, material, Dylan, can you kind of summarize for us the essentials of what it means to be a disciple just from the heart? For sure. Um, 
of course, discipleship starts personally. Yeah. Um, if, if it's, it's, I found throughout this class, I needed to mm-hmm. step up my discipleship to the mm-hmm. Lord because it really, the same thing, the conviction came upon me that I wasn't doing enough myself, even as a, yeah. a new pastor and someone who's taken mm-hmm. on, I could step up. So yeah. it has to start personally for sure. You need to get your own self in yep. and then it's reproductible. You, we, 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 I think as the church, and I've often talked about this with the group out at Kingston, we oftentimes, we almost do church like used car salesmen. Oh, wow. Um, we oftentimes we go out and we meet you on the parking lot. Yeah. We shake your hand. We smile. We talk about how great this is and we, we get mm-hmm. you inside. We get you signed up. We get you set down and then we leave you and we go on to the next guy that we can sell. Yeah. And we oftentimes we leave them and, and it's that mm-hmm. we leave them. They leave us. Yeah. You know, I just had Brian Davidson in the office. Uh, you remember Brian used mm-hmm. to play the drums in our praise band, and he has um, gotten involved in missions in Japan, and he actually speaks Japanese. Oh, wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. And he was just telling me a few minutes ago here in the office that Japanese Christians are um, reluctant to speak about their faith stereotypically. Right. And there's a great need, he said, for one of their emphases in the mission organization that he's a part of is to um, uh, reproduce disciples, disciples who make other disciples. And Mm -hmm. that's such an important part of what God's doing in our lives. It's not all about us. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others, and he saves us so that we can share with others how to be saved, and he disciples us so that we can pass that on. The greatest blessing you can ever have as a Christian is to be a blessing to someone else, I think. And um, Dylan, uh, could you uh, maybe uh, next time, we're going to wrap this up here, and uh, if you could uh, maybe in our next session uh, share with us the, the unique perspective now that you have as a pastor uh, in discipling people that maybe is a little different you know, than it's always been before. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan Reagan, who is with us today on the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast. We just thank you so much, our listeners, for your part in uh, what God's doing here. We love to see God working in people's lives, and we pray that's the case right here this very moment, that you're being touched by His mighty hand in a special way, and that's our prayer for you. So thank you for being a part of our broadcast and podcast today. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chet. You know, the Bible has much to say about a teachable spirit. In fact, the Bible, if I may be so bold as just to say what the Bible says, the Bible says if you don't have a teachable spirit, you're stupid. We don't allow our girls to say that. (laughs) That's a bad word in our house. Grandkids don't allow to say stupid, but the Bible says it. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is what? Stupid. That's Bible. If we absolutely hate to be corrected, it's just not smart, y'all. And uh, it's a evidence of the wrong telephone number. You're listening to the wrong voice. If you go out of this room this morning feeling guilty, feeling ashamed, you know, feeling beaten down, 
as though these are man things. Now listen to this. The outcome for one who can't be taught anything is quite different than the one who can. One gets poverty and disgrace. The other gets honor. Which one do you think is which? Listen, Proverbs 13, 18. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction. That kind of sounds like the guy who's not teachable, doesn't it? But whoever heeds reproof is honored. Wow. Honor or poverty and disgrace. It's really our choice. Now, not surprisingly, if you want an example of someone who has a teachable spirit, look for a wise man. Here's what Proverbs 9.9 says about the wise man. You give instruction to a wise man, and he'll be what? Wiser still. But teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. Now, 2 Timothy 2.2 teaches us that not everybody has a teachable spirit. Did you know that discipleship, which is the number one um, point of our um our vision as a church, to be a disciple, to be growing as a disciple, to make disciples, discipleship. Discipleship is for those who have a teachable spirit. You can't force it on somebody. The Bible calls them faithful men. Listen to this. The Bible says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now listen, I have tried before, and I'll promise you, you can't do it. You try to disciple somebody who's not ready, who's not willing, who doesn't really have a desire for it, it will not be effective. And the Bible really doesn't even require us to try. Here's what I've learned to say. I actually learned this from Ron Urban, who was, really sharp disciple-making guy in my previous church. He said if he finds a guy like that, he disciples men, has been doing it for years. He's so effective. And he said if he finds a guy who's really just not ready, uh, instead of trying to, you know, motivate him, instead of trying to force him in some way, you know what Ron will say to him? He'll say, you know, uh, this is not really the right time, you know, for you. I understand. Maybe we can pick it up later. In the meantime, I'll sure be praying for you. You let me know when you're ready to try this again. Because the Bible says that we're to instruct who? Faithful men. You can't make somebody faithful. A faithful man, in this case, is equated with a man who has a teachable spirit. Somebody who wants to listen. Somebody who's got the right number on his phone. That's who you need to to share with. Now, not only in verse 1 do we see here the uh, unlikely lesson of an ant. We learn that lesson of the ant, which is the lesson of the ant is self-control. Now, if you have a teachable spirit, you can learn from the ant self-control. Because look how the ant functions, according to verse 7. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, King James Version. Consider her ways and be wise. 
which having what? No guide, no overseer, no ruler. She doesn't have a boss. Have you ever seen one ant bossing another one around? You don't see that if you pay attention. The ant is completely guided by his own instinct and self-control. There's not really a chain of command with the ant. As far as we know, there's no communication between ants. Um, They function strictly by self-control. I'm going to tell you something. That, if we're willing to receive it, teachable spirit, if we have a teachable spirit and we're willing to receive it, that is one of the most wonderful gifts that anybody could ever give us. The insight to the gift of self-control. Now let's talk about self-control for a moment. Self-control is when you don't have a supervisor bearing down on you. You don't have a parent telling you what to do. You don't have a teacher holding you accountable. You don't have a boss uh, bossing you. You don't have a sergeant telling you to uh, drop down and give you 10 push-ups. You don't have a coach making you run laps. Ultimately, it comes down to joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, the Bible says. And joy comes down to you. Somebody said one time wisely, I think, character is who you are when nobody's looking. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's there to pat you on the back. Nobody's there to give you any credit. Character is who you are when it just comes down to you. And the Bible speaks of many fruits of the Spirit. Is it possible that the Apostle Paul saved the best one for last? What is the last one listed in the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, and what? Self-control. Wow, what a powerful gift of the Spirit is the gift of self-control. Self-control is the life of a disciplined person. Self-control is the spirit of a man who is listening to the right phone number. Did you know Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says, without self-control, guess what you are? You are a city broken down without walls. What does that mean? Think about biblical times. If you're living in a city and the wall is broken down, guess what? Your city is indefensible when an enemy comes to lay siege against it. And that means you're going to (laughs) die. It's just a matter of time. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Such is the life and death critical importance of self-control. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but that is common to man. And God is faithful who will not be, who will not allow you to be tempted, listen, beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. And that way of escape, which is not beyond your ability, is self-control. That you may be able to endure it. This capacity to endure 
is given by God and guaranteed by the word of God. And so when we sin or when we uh, exercise folly, when we ignore the ant, when we don't have a teachable spirit, we are choosing to ignore the gift of God, which is guaranteed by the spirit with our own selfishness. I heard one preacher this uh, past week on afternoon radio saying that you've got selflessness and selfishness. These are two paths that we can choose. He did a great job describing him, a guy named Pastor Matt from the North Shore Baptist Church in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, preached to me this week because of the ministry of radio. Pretty powerful. In uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, you know what the Bible says? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. It's a gift that's given by God and demonstrated by an ant. An ant is able to function without somebody lording over her, telling her what to do. The Bible says, whoever's slow to anger is better than the mighty, and the one who rules his spirit is better than one who takes a strong city. You are a bad dude, according to the Bible. If you've got self-control, if you can rule your own spirit, you are more uh, powerful than General Schwarzkopf, a man who can take a strong city like Kabul in Iraq. General Schwarzkopf took a strong city. How about you? Can you rule your own spirit with self-control? Now, in verse... Um, back in that, in uh, Proverbs chapter six, I want you to see what happens because of this in verse eight, the fruit of her labor is having something when you need it. Here's the fruit of her labor. She has something. She doesn't have nothing. She doesn't have an empty storehouse. She doesn't have an empty cupboard. She doesn't have an empty bank account, so to speak. She doesn't have an empty retirement plan, so to speak. She has something. Why? Because of her self-control, she labored for it and stored it up for herself in advance. This is a beautiful example of somebody who works according to season. With amazing persistence, you know, some ants can carry a little piece of food that's over two times their own weight. Isn't that amazing? They pick it up and carry it along, and they're putting it in a storehouse for the future. They're not going to eat it right now. This is called delayed gratification, which stands against what? Instant gratification. These are two things that have gotten completely um, upside down in our modern American culture. We have taught our children instant gratification, and you pay for it by easy credit. And so you get what you want now, and then you go into the season of paying for it, which is just the opposite of the ant. The ant works for it now 
so she'll have something later. Wow. Um, Dave Ramsey says cash is king. And uh, he said the, uh, the emblem of success is not a BMW to drive necessarily, but maybe a paid-for house. And he tells us to quit using credit cards. And um, I can't say, honestly, that I never use a credit card. But I have learned a, a truth about slavery. I'll tell you something about slavery. There is still slavery in the United States. And you learn about it in the Bible, where the Bible says the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, you want to take out a mortgage, you want to take out a 60-month note on a new Suburban, Uh, you want to uh, max out a few credit cards, you can do that, and the culture encourages it. In fact, our culture depends on it. If it weren't for credit, I think our whole economic system would crumble because we're taught to live on credit. But that's not what the ant does. The ant works now so she'll have something later instead of having something now and then paying for it later. Uh, talking about slavery, I want you to listen to this. My wife is reading right now this erudite intellectual I'm married to is reading about the rise and the fall of the Medici. It's, uh, you know, a group of people in Italy in the 1300s. And she, uh, she laughed when she read this, so she shared it with me. A preacher whose name was Friar Bernardino had this to say about slaves. He urged housewives to use their slaves for their own good. And here's what he said. Is there sweeping to be done? Make your slaves sweep. Are there pots to be scoured? Then make her scour them. Are there vegetables to be cleaned or fruit to be peeled? Then let her see to them. Laundry, hand it to her. Make her look after the children and everything else. If you don't get used to doing all the, if you don't get her used to doing all the work, she'll become a lazy little lump of flesh. Don't give her any time off, I tell you. As long as you keep her on the go, she won't waste her time leaning out the window. Now, if I were to preach that and put it on the front page of the Greenville paper tomorrow, what do you think they would do to me? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I am preaching that. Because I want to tell you, if you get maxed out on credit cards, you are just as much of a slave as what he just described. And by the way, it's kind of sad in the Medici's, um, there were young female children who were sold quite cheaply in the markets of Venice and Genoa, and they spent the rest of their lives in bondage. And I'm afraid that's what's happening to some of our children because we're not teaching them better about money They're spending the rest of their lives in bondage because the borrower is servant to the lender. Now look with me quickly at the curse of laziness 
in verse 10 and 11. Um, How long will you slumber, O sluggard? Verse 9. When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So poverty shall come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Would you flip over to chapter 24 of the same book, Proverbs, for a moment? And I want to show you something, verse 30. You can almost see this. It's so vivid, the uh, descriptive language of Solomon in the Proverbs here. Proverbs 24, verse 30 says this. I went to the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. And there it was, overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone was broken down. And when I considered it, I looked on it and received instruction. A little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 